Hello and welcome to Core Sampler, the podcast where we drill into the Sitecore community to bring you insights into the work talented people are doing every day on the Sitecore Experience platform. Whether you're a developer, a marketer, or both, we're glad you're here. And now your host, Derek Dysart. Welcome to Core Sampler. My name is Derek Dysart and I am happy to be back. Um, it's been a while, I know. I hope you all uh, that are subscribed to the podcast feed have been enjoying getting to know the various Sitecore MVPs out there. Uh, Tomas is doing a great job reaching out to um, a lot of names you may not hear from um, a lot of times in the Sitecore community, and it's been great to uh, get to know a lot of those folks. But in this episode, I'm going to continue what I uh, did in my last episode is um, starting to look at containers. Uh, with Sitecore. There's a, a lot of stuff that came out recently, specifically with Sitecore 10 and support for containers. Um, and I wanted to get somebody else on the on the show to talk about it. So in this episode, we're talking with Proficient's George Chang. Um, George has been on the show before. We talked about um, kind of running Sitecore in a, in a cloud environment um, back, um, back a while ago. There's a link to that episode in the show notes. But I um, uh, have George back to look at kind of some of the stuff that's come about um, with containers probably in about the last year, I would say. Um, there's been a lot of traction with that. And the, the, the big news is that with the release of Sitecore 10, um, Sitecore has their own container repository. So prior to that, and we'll, we'll discuss this in the episode, prior to that, you were kind of responsible for building your own images to run as containers. Um, and now Sitecore has an option for you uh, if you're running Sitecore 10. So a couple quick notes. Um, during the episode, I struggled to remember the people that um, gave a presentation during the virtual subconda this year, and that was Sebastian Winslow and Pear Baring. Uh, Sebastian and Pear, I'm sorry, your names escaped me during the episode. I wanted to give you guys fair credit for that. Um, but um, really kind of like George has a great view of containers. If, if this is new to you, um, there's a lot of stuff of like, oh, they're kind of like virtual machines and all that. And, and George has this great idea, and you'll have to listen to it, of, of kind of approaching it from a, at least from a conceptual standpoint uh, on what exactly a container is. And he kind of thinks of it as a large monolithic executable. And so um, I thought it was a really kind of poignant way of looking at containers. So without further delay, please enjoy this episode uh, and wide-ranging conversation with George Chang. George. Welcome back to Core Sampler. Thanks. Glad to be back. Um, so I mistakenly thought I was going to have a lot of time this summer and start a series on containers. Um, and uh, I think folks, if they've been subscribed to the the podcast feed, probably heard me talk about that. And then um, here it is. Uh, we're we're going into almost September now. Um, but there's been a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that's kind of come out um, with regard to Sitecore and containers. And I've been meaning to get somebody, somebody else on the podcast to talk about um, kind of what that actually means. And um, I've seen you've been putting out a lot of blog posts as well as kind of talking in the, in the different Slack channels uh, about containers. I wanted to get somebody on. So, well, uh, like I said, welcome, welcome back. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it, this has been, Playing with containers has been kind of um, something I've been doing for for the past quite a bit. So um, ha- glad to have a chance to talk about it. Yeah. So I mean, think if if folks haven't heard, uh, you were on the podcast very early on um, back when you were a cloud MVP. Uh, yes. The, the one and only year that they they had that. <laughs> um, and I think we talked about kind of using Azure 
um, to run your, your Sitecore core instance. And as I looked at this and I'm, I'll link to it in the show notes. I, I think this, the video is available. There was a presentation at the virtual subcon this year. Um, and I know the, that the people that presented are probably listening and yelling their name at me and, and their name escapes me <laughs> at this point. Um, but, um, they presented on using containers, um, to run Sitecore in a production environment. Um, cause I think a lot of, um, a lot of the focus so far, um, with the GitHub repository that Sitecore put out that kind of has the PowerShell scripts for building images and so forth. A lot of, a lot of the focus I've seen at least has been using that to streamline your development setup. So if you're a developer, right. um, typically you would install, you know, you, to, to set up your developer workstation, right? You, you got to install, you know, visual studio and then you need, well, you're going to need SQL server and then you're going to need, um, solar, um, so you get all that set up and then you install Sitecore so, and, and now you're running IAS on your local development machine. You're running SQL server on your local development machine. You're running solar on your local development machine. And I, I've seen, um, you know, some people have taken the approach of, you know, encapsulating that in a virtual machine and so forth. And there was a lot of stuff around, um, around that early on, but now with, with containers, now you don't have to have any of that installed, right? You can, you can have the, the definition of your environment in your Git, you know, in, in your Git repository. So you, a new developer clones it, they stand up the environment and that all runs in containers on Docker desktop. Now you don't have any of that installed. Um, but what this subcon presentation showed is, and this is kind of where I, I'd like to chat with you is taking that um, that concept of containers and pushing it into production um, because now where you might use Azure App Services today um, with especially with the announcement of of Sitecore ten now you can kind of get that same that same kind of encapsulated uh, you know elastic scaling but do that with a, a, a different product and I wonder if you would touch on that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think for starters, for those uh, who aren't super familiar with containers, right? Um, some people have likened them to to kind of tiny virtual machines. Um, I, I like to think of them as like a different way of packaging your application, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's just packaging your application with all its dependencies and such, and being able to kind of run it all together. Um, you know, it, it's it's like a glorified single file exe. In, in some sense. Um, the, the benefits of that is that you wind up running that same thing in every environment, right? So um, you run that, you know, if you kind of think of it with the EXE metaphor, right? Like you run that single file EXE on your computer, on someone else's computer, it's going to run the same regardless of what they've got installed on their computer as far as dependencies go. And for all of us who have um, installed Sitecore from scratch. We know there are a lot of dependencies right. that go that that's involved in installing Sitecore. Um, so, as far as kind of what the, what this brings to the Sitecore environment and the Sitecore community, right? Like this brings a whole new level of um, of deployments, not only locally but also for production. Um, you know, we the the community had done a great job, an amazing job. Putting together the uh, the Sitecore 
the Sitecore Docker images in the mm-hmm. GitHub repository, right? And with the existing uh, Sitecore installation. But, um, you know, now that Sitecore is produced, you know, ha- has their own private repository with all the Sitecore 10 base images. You know, this is, this is something that, uh, you know, allow it, it's, it's, blessed by Sitecore yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a sense. Right. Yeah, and I think um, the, and- the distinction there too is, is you mentioned um, the, the, the Docker images repository. What that allowed you to do is kind of build your own Docker images. Um, so those right. images you had to kind of, you, you had to build them from scratch, even though everybody was kind of building the same ones based on the recipe, you know, quote unquote recipe in that, um, yep. in that repository. Now you built those images and now you could stand up a new environment um, based on those images. And what Sitecore did with Sitecore 10 is now they have a private repository um, where you don't have to do that anymore. They've got the recipe, they maintain those, which is is more in line with, I think, folks that are familiar with Docker, but maybe not in the Sitecore world. Um, that That's a little bit more familiar to folks, you know, if you wanted to stand up a, a WordPress instance, you don't have to, mm-hmm. you know, build a, uh, you know, build an instance, uh, you know, build a container that's running like Nginx and MySQL and then have WordPress on it. Like there's one out there. You just say, you know, I need the WordPress image and it, there's a, there's public repositories that do that. So that, that's a, yep. I think a distinction if, um, which, you know, where this is becoming a, a, a quote unquote big deal in the Sitecore community. A Sitecore has these images now. You don't you're not responsible for kind of building them yourself based on a based on a recipe that's published. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, containers have been big with kind of the open source slash Linux world for for a while. Um, you know, now that only in the recent years where Microsoft has made kind of Windows containers available that we've been able to and take advantage of that, especially, you know, being that Sitecore is a .NET framework application that requires, uh, requires a lot of Windows APIs. Um, so, you know, this is, this is kind of new, new stuff that new stuff to us, but, uh, old hat for a number of kind of open source developers. Yeah. So that works great for the kind of the, the developer, right? They, yeah. the, you know, we, Again, I, I like your analogy of kind of a, a an encapsulated exe because you know as a Sitecore site, we write some code that's basically extending stuff that's already there. So um, you know we we have some views, we have some you know maybe some customization of pipelines to get whatever business requirements for the website we're building um, in place. Um, but then being able to package all of that with all of the dependencies. Um, not, not just kind of the Sitecore part of it, but like, what does Sitecore need to run? Well, it needs IAS. Okay. So that's a dependency and it needs, you know, it needs SQL server. So that's, that's a dependency. Um, so that's all packaged. Um, but kind of the, uh, and again, this is going to be old hat for anybody that's, that's been involved with containers over the years. Cause I think, uh, you know, if memory serves me correct, Docker has been around since probably around 2014, um, that now while while we're developing on this, these containers that we're running against on our local system and making sure our code works and we're doing QA process and running our unit tests and being the good developers that we are, um, the code we're writing is running on the exact same stuff, if you will, that's going to end up in production. Right. So that's where I think, it becomes interesting because, you know, in, in my time working on Sitecore, and I know 
um, I've talked to several other folks. There's been times where it's like, Hey, this, this worked in, this worked on my local station. You know, that's the, you know, the, the obvious kind of statement of yeah. a coward, right? It works on my machine. Um, but then, you know, that it might even be like, Hey, we deployed this to our QA or our staging environment. QA signed off. This has worked great. But when we moved it to production, it just, it, it isn't working. And then you go through the rigmarole of like, okay, well, our QA environment has to mirror production. So maybe we've got, you know, we've got a load balancer and we've got, you know, several front end servers, several, several CD servers and a, a content management server. And that become that back in the olden days, I guess that was prohibitive to a have all that infrastructure in place and b you know, the licensing involved with that, you know, kind of subscription licensing takes a lot out of the, the, the licensing aspect of it, right. but you still had all the infrastructure, you know, like we've got to spin up the VMs and all that. So what, what I guess uh, initially, and I harken back to what I mentioned earlier is the subcom presentation is that that presentation talked about a new way of actually deploying in production. And it uses a product um, called Kubernetes and our, it's not really a product, but a, a technology. And I wondered if you, you have a good take on what exactly is Kubernetes and, and how does it fit in? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you hear Kubernetes used a lot with, with Docker um, and just for, for clarity purposes, right? Like Docker is something that you run to, to run containers and so is Kubernetes, but Kubernetes is a lot more. Right. So, um, what, what Kubernetes calls itself is a, is a container orchestration platform. Right. Um, so what it does is you can, it, it is mainly for kind of running things in production, but you can obviously run it in lesser environments as well. Uh, that you basically define your infrastructure, your Kubernetes configurations, uh, with a bunch of configuration files. Um, you basically, and, and you basically say, this is my application. It's going to need these containers, right? Um, even, you know, not not all, especially larger applications, it's not just going to be one container. It's going to be multiple containers. So mm -hmm. in the case of Sitecore, right, we, we're going to have a, a content management container, a content delivery container, um, you know, an XConnect container, a Sitecore identity container, uh, a solar container, a SQL server container, a bunch of different containers, mm -hmm. um, that are going to, that are going to need to run for this one application for you to hit, you know, www.sitecore.com and be able to hit that site. All these containers have to work in together. And this is what Kubernetes helps handle, um, is you basically give it the specification saying, you know, here are all my containers, right? This container needs to talk to this container. Um, you know, this container, it, it needs to be able to access data from this storage, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and Kubernetes basically handle, handles all that for you. A, a lot of the Kubernetes configurations are just to allow the containers to interact with one another and to spin up and spin down as needed. And then mm -hmm. it also provides a number of other benefits like, uh, you know, performing rollbacks um, it'll, and performing um, backups and specifying your, um, your various storage locations, um, you know, there a lot of customizations in, in Kubernetes that you can extend. So it, it's, it's this tool to kind of help orchestrate your entire application and it could be used on premises in the cloud. It all kind of works the same. Um, and that's one of the benefits of it is that a lot of companies who are migrating to the cloud, uh, it, you know, they can basically run Kubernetes on premises 
um, to get kind of make their cloud, make their application, uh, air quote, cloud native. Mm-hmm. You'll mm-hmm. hear that term bandied about a, bu- yep. a bunch. Um, and then they could basically deploy that same application into a cloud hosted Kubernetes environment. And all of a sudden they're, they're running in the cloud. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a powerful piece of kit for, um, for running container app, like large enterprise container applications. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, you, you kind of touched on it too, is that it's everything that your application needs. Um, so right. whereas, you know, I, I don't know, I've been, I've been doing this for a long time that, you know, before to, to stand up a website, there was kind of almost a, a, a manifest of, of physical hardware that we would buy. So we would need like an F5 load balancer. We would need a right. bunch of physical servers that we're going to, you know, we're going to place a purchase order with Dell to get, and those would all get racked into, you know, into a rack. And then, you know, you've got your ops people have to wire up all that stuff um, based on, you know, it, it, the, the physical stuff that needs to get all connected and they need power and all that. Kubernetes is, is, is similar in that, but like that's all defined in, and code for lack of a better term or configuration. So, you know, like you said, for Sitecore, we've got a whole bunch of different things that we need to orchestrate together. So, you know, content delivery servers, content management servers, XConnect, the database, that's all. So that there's, there's all the stuff inside those little pieces, but then, you know, you define out like, this is what my environment looks like. I, you know, I know we're going to get enough traffic where we need say four delivery servers, uh, we're going to have one kind of content management server. We're going to, you know, have an X connect. We're going to need this much database space for, you know, whether it's the, the, the back end of X connect or, you know, just, we know we were a content heavy site. Um, so that's all defined. Um, and then that gets deployed onto, um, a whole bunch of hardware, you know, backing hardware, but then Kubernetes handles running all that. Um, and those containers themselves, um, it, it, that's the same thing that your, your developers develop the application against. So, you know, the definition of what is a CD server, um, that definition came from the containers that your developers use to develop your site. Right. Exactly. Um, you can almost see Kubernetes as kind of a, a mini cloud in a, in a box. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And you it, like you said, a- you could, you could run that natively, you know, on, and yes. on prem, as long as, you know, you've got hardware or some infrastructure in place. Yep. Um, yep. Just give it a bunch of CPUs and Ram and uh, Kubernetes, you know, and, and tell them, you know, Hey, my CD server needs two processors worth and, you know, four gigs of Ram or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kubernetes will figure out kind of, you know, where, what machines have that space and availability and deploy your containers there. I want three, I want three replicas of this container using that kind of same spec. Great. Um, Kubernetes will kind of determine where, uh, hardware and, and accounts for things like failover, right? If you lose a Kubernetes node, like one of the servers in your kind of Kubernetes cluster, um, you know, and you, you have your application replicated, right? It, it, it does that kind of the, the legwork for you to be able to handle failovers and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Um, you know, I, I can just imagine like when ops people first discovered Kubernetes and how much of that was automated for them that like the amount of joy that they could feel, you know, it, it, it really, it really is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, somebody somebody does something as stupid as like they pull a power cord out of the back of one of the servers. Like Kubernetes right. detects that server's down, 
Um, you know, the, the, the one most people say is like, oh, what if the, the hardware fails? Like you got a memory error or the hard drive. It's like most of the time somebody did something wrong. And, you know, and all of a sudden that server's out. Like Kubernetes moves the stuff around. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, the, the other, I mean, the other interesting thing, if you, if you start thinking about it too, is like that infrastructure that's in there, like you said, you, you're defining kind of how all these containers connect to each other. So if you imagine a, a, a deployment scenario of your, your site's running and now you deploy, you deploy out to the Kubernetes node and almost like a replica of everything that's there. Um, and one of the things in your Kubernetes cluster is a little load balancer or a reverse proxy that's sending all the traffic into, you know, all your CD servers. Now you've, you know, say you've got four, you deploy out again to another set of four. You can define, do those, uh, is that new deployment up and running? You run some smoke tests, you run some testing. So that's there. You ensure that that's up. And now you do a simple config change on the load balancer. It starts serving traffic over to this new cluster one. You tell Kubernetes, shut down the old cluster. And now you've got effectively what they call blue-green deployment. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Um, and, and rollbacks are super easy, right? right. Um, you've got them kind of running side by side. Um, yeah, and you know, it's, the, the resiliency part of this is really a, a key thing for kind of production deployments. Um, you know, con containers are kind of you're with our containers are less able to uh, be able to get like a lot of metrics while going on, mm -hmm. right? Because you're, it's kind of in a box. Um, so, you know, something fails or whatever you, ha you have to put a lot of, you know, you have to put a lot of telemetry around uh, containers to be able to kind of gauge the health of a container, whether it's running or not running or running appropriately mm -hmm. or et cetera, et cetera. And, and that kind of, that's what Kubernetes brings to the table is being able to add a lot of this telemetry and kind of manage it without, you know, automated without you having to touch anything really um, just kind of telling you, telling it what you want and then letting it do the rest. Yeah. And that was, I know a big part that starting in the, in the, in the Docker, um, kind of the community Docker repository, um, on through to now, you know, as Sitecore is supporting their images. Um, one of the things that Sitecore didn't have was that telemetry type of, of stuff. Cause there's a kind of a standard way that containers advertise that like, yes, I'm running. Yes, I'm healthy. Um, and then a standard way that, you know, if you want to get more information out of there, how are those logs done? I know that was, there was a lot of work early on in the community repository to get Sitecore to kind of conform to that convention. Um, yep. and, um, so that that's available now cause that was always, you know, kind of a challenge. And so, you know, looking at kind of using Kubernetes in, the, in that standpoint, um, we liken it to what, you know, what was our only option before, um, cause one of the things you could do with, with this cluster is, you know, Hey, we've got a surge in traffic. We need more CD servers because, you know, we can only handle so many, so many page views per second on, on a per CD server. And we, you know, we know our clusters as big as whatever. Um, so, you know, handling that surge in traffic before really the only option for that, you know, kind of, you know, elastic scaling, if you will, was running on Azure app services, right? It was, um, right. You know, the other, or it became increasingly difficult, um, you know, even if you were running on VMs, provisioning a new, you know, a VM um, is going to take, you know, it, 
anywhere from, you know, it's going to be measured in tens of minutes. So like 20, right. 20 to 30 minutes to like provision a new server and from a cloud provider, get Sitecore on there, get the app pool, you know, get it connected, get it into the load balancing pool. Whereas that's a lot faster on Kubernetes, but like liken it back to, you know, what your options were on Azure before. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, before, as you said, you know, Azure app services was kind of your go-to, right. And, um, you know, fun fact, Azure app services was built on kind of a precursor to containers before yep, yep. containers were really a thing. Right. So, um, I mean, uh, you know, in fact, I, the new Azure app services for Linux and actually I heard for windows too, um, can actually support containers. So you can point an Azure app service at a, Container image and it'll basically be like Here, here's your app service running this container, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's kind of the stuff that um, the the magic that works under app service is 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 very similar, right? You have the resiliency, the able to, the ability to auto scale. Um, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier, Kubernetes being kind of like a mini cloud in a box, right? Kubernetes can handle that same kind of scenario of auto scaling based on, you know, resource need or whatever the case might be. Um, you're just managing all this internally, right? Um, you're, you're, you're calling all the shots so from, from an app services perspective, you get some control, right? But obviously you can't get all the control, right? This is something that mm-hmm. the service that Microsoft owns. Um, but with Kubernetes, it really is kind of, you're, you're in, you're in much more control of everything as far as how you want to scale, what kind of hardware you want to throw at it. Um, you know, with app services, here are your pricing tiers, right? Here's your performance tiers. Mm-hmm. Um, Kubernetes, you just throw more hardware at it and it can grow and grow and grow to as big as you need it to be. Yeah. And I mean, the benefit too then is it opens up other cloud platform providers. Kubernetes is yes. available, um, you know, available from AWS. It's available from Google Compute. Um, so now you can, um, you're not, if, if, if you're, if you're the sole .NET developer within an organization, you know, the entire rest of the, the enterprise is running on, you know, I don't know, Java or, or whatever, and they're hosting everything in AWS, and you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, I can't get IT to, you know, flip for uh, an Azure subscription. So, you know, we're, we're kind of stuck running on, you know, VMs and stuff like this. This opens up this kind of cloud, like you said, cloud-native option on different cloud platforms as well, which is, I think I haven't seen a lot of people talking about that, but it, it, it gives organizations a lot of options now in terms of where they want to host. Maybe they just, you know, they really don't like Microsoft. Um, <laughs> the, um, you know, it, it gives you options. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I think as of right now, Azure is the only cloud service that actually provides support for windows containers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, this is, it's part of it. The support is built into Kubernetes, I think like 1.16 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty within the last year or so. So as, um, as other cloud providers kind of upgrade AWS, Google, Google cloud, you know, um, the IBM cloud, like as, as they kind of upgrade their Kubernetes and, provide the support, you know, this kind of opens up to your point, like, Hey, I can deploy almost anywhere, uh, with, with my same set and, you know, and not have to do very much kind of configuration changes, maybe some cloud specific configuration Mm -hmm. changes. But other than that, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all, it's all very native. Um, one of the cool things that Kubernetes does, at least in the Azure space, and that probably does in the other clouds as well, is that, 
it, it actually spins up actual Azure resources to to manage the things that you do. So, it, so for example, like if you have storage defined in Kubernetes, right, it's going to create an Azure storage account in Azure to back that storage. If you have a load balancer in Kubernetes, um, it's going to create a an Azure load balancer service in Azure to, to handle that. So it's not, I know I kind of said it was kind of a black box earlier, but it's not, it's more of like a gray box. <laughs> like you can kind of see what it's doing. Um, but a, a lot of it is still kind of handled within the Kubernetes space, um, but it's all automated that service creation and everything. Um, and as long as you kind of, um, kind of pointed at uh, Azure Kubernetes services, right. Uh, the Azure Kubernetes services will handle all that uh, orchestration of the actual Azure services itself for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, you know, and, and I know the, the Azure Kubernetes service part is uh, if I recall correctly, that, that part of it is, is basically there, there's very little cost with it. It's, you know, the cost yep. is all your underlying virtual machines and stuff that are going to run on your, your, your Kubernetes nodes. Yeah, the um, it's actually free. Yeah. Uh, the the control plane is what they call it, the Azure Kubernetes service. So you basically just say, "Hey, I have, I want this many virtual machines to run as my what they call node pools, mm-hmm. right?" So um, the, the, it's basically your aggregate chunk of hardware that you can run all your application on, right? So you're you're basically saying, "I I have three machines, um, you know, they're four CPU each." 16 gigs of RAM each to, to Kubernetes that's saying, you know, I have 12 CPUs to work with and 48 gigs of RAM to work with. I think I did the math right. Yeah. Um, so as, so, you know, that, that's kind of how Kubernetes sees it. And so kind of the whole idea of this kind of aggregate pool of hardware, right. It's easy to throw more hardware at it and not really have to worry too much about, Oh, I have to reconfigure this or whatever, you attach it to the Kubernetes cluster, Kubernetes handles the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really, I don't know, I guess if, if folks were interested in kind of starting to kick the tires on this, because I think it's, it is definitely a new, uh, it's a new approach for yep. a lot of Sitecore folks. I think there's a lot of non-Sitecore people out there that are probably kind of like, yeah, this is how it's done. And, you know, it's it's you know good on Sitecore for actually enabling this and Kind of keeping, uh, keeping up with modern deployment scenarios. But um, if if folks wanted to kind of get started on this, what what do you think is the the best approach? Yeah. Um, so a lot of my time this past year has been work kind of le- working with Kubernetes and Data Exchange Framework. Probably the two things that have the most new nomenclature possible. Um, I mean, the, Kubernetes obvious it, it, it's a big system, right? There's a there's a lot of pieces to learn and. Um, you know, it, it's not a sit down and figure it out in one day thing, unless I don't know, you're much smarter than me. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it definitely so, wasn't my the yeah, case for me and, yeah. and I'm still learning. Yeah, me, me too. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I did, so I actually have a blog post on my blog. That's kind of, a, a, I call it a letter to my future self about Kubernetes because I, took a lot of time kind of digging into it and kind of getting some of the concepts down. But I knew like, if I wasn't going to keep playing with it and I got distracted into other things like two or three months down the road, I'm going to forget all that stuff. Um, So I basically wrote this blog post on my blog called a future letter to myself uh, or a letter to my future self about Kubernetes. Um, Basically kind of describing all the 
the base concepts of Kubernetes and what they are. And, and mostly I wrote it for myself, right? I mean, it really is, uh, I'm going to forget all this and I just need reminders to myself of what these things are. Um, so, you know, feel free to read that shameless self plug. Um, but there's a lot of documentation out in Kubernetes. Um, a lot of the documentation is with kind of Linux hosts. Uh, so, you know, if you want to just get the concepts of Kubernetes, you can run, you know, a, a, a mini kind of Kubernetes cluster on your Windows machine, actually. Uh, it'd be a Linux cluster. It'll run in Hyper-V. But um, the Kubernetes site has a lot of good documentation and actually has some walkthroughs on how you, uh, how, how you do this, right, and how you kind of build a cluster and what these things are and how you really – so you build kind of one Kubernetes service at a time and understand what it does and uh, eventually you're kind of kind of following this tutorial and building it out. And I think it was, that was really great. That was really helpful and helping me not just understand kind of what the concepts are and what they do, but also how to implement it and how to do it together. And, and, you know, it's step-by-step, it's got screenshots. It's, I think you can, you don't even have to set up a cluster uh, locally. I think they have a, you can kind of spin one up virtually and through the Kubernetes site to be able to do this. Um, so that's a great place to start. Um, as far as kind of Kubernetes and Sitecore, I know that Sitecore has put out um, documentation for uh, for containers that's mm-hmm. container specific, um, and so that's a good place to start as well, uh, specifically for Sitecore. Um, I think most of it is just trying to get the concepts down right, um, and and a lot of just uh, to- toying around with it and kind of understanding. Um, the nice thing, even though a lot of the 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 documentation is kind of out there in blog posts and such is very kind of Linux oriented. The good thing is that there's really no difference between the two for Docker containers, right? Like, or for containers just in general, um, as long, basically you give it an image and if it can, if whatever Kubernetes can handle, it'll handle, um, none of everything else is kind of platform agnostic mm-hmm. in a sense. So, um, so I, I think that's, you know, the Kubernetes site is definitely a great place to start. Work that tutorial. I, I think it's uh, it, it helps a lot in kind of understanding what the core concepts and terms are because there is a lot of them. Yeah, and I know I personally. I mean, at the time, um, I took advantage of you know one of the months this this year where Pluralsight had um, had free training available mm-hmm. for the month, and there was there was a couple really good kind of Kubernetes overview courses there. So if you, you know, if you're part of an organization that already has a Pluralsight um, subscription. There's, there's some really good kind of Kubernetes stuff. And then, you know, it it looked like I didn't go down that, that path, but it looks like there's some more, um, more in depth training, uh, available once you, you know, you got into it. But I think just to kind of, like you said, get the concepts of what is, what is a node, what is all this, you know, what, you know, like it's a, it's a new nomenclature to get your head around. Um, and that, that was, that was a way I was able to kind of, at least start to come up to speed um, on how to get that. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe you're not going to be deploying to Kubernetes. I think, um, yeah, it may be advanced, but if you want to kind of get your feet wet with, with containers in general, um, there has been, you know, since I, I want to say probably since about this time last year, um, just the, the, the drumbeat of containers and Sitecore. Um, just even if you want to explore it for local development, um, that, um, that is a, a fairly well-worn path. Now there's a ton of great blog posts out there on, 
you know, maybe I just want to do my local development using, you know, Docker desktop and you're going to run all these containers, whether it's, you know, you're going to use the, the Sitecore containers from Sitecore 10, or you're going to build your own. Um, you know, if you're part of a larger organization building your own and then using a private repository, like Azure's container repository, um, uh, you know, is an option. So now, you know, so you're a large agency, you're doing, you know, several Sitecore projects, um, a year, you know, you can stand up your own Azure container repository, you build it once. And now, you know, you start a new project, um, you know, you've got your directory where you're going to store your source code. You've got, you know, all your, your Docker definition files in there, which again is just kind of a text file. That's a recipe for what you need to run Sitecore. Um, you check that in. Now you get a new developer. They clone the repository. They do Docker up and it pulls down all the, the stuff out of your, 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 your private repository. If you're on nine or if you're on 10, you're pulling it from Sitecore's private repository. Uh, and then you're up and running. So, you know, taking a, a, a bare metal machine from being able to, you know, from you just have windows on it to being able to develop on it. It's, it's actually pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, more or less guaranteed to work every time. Yeah. Yeah. And then the bonus is if you do pursue the, the, the Kubernetes route, your developers are running, you know, and testing their code on the exact same code that's going to run in production, which is, you know, that that's been a promise of containers for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it goes back to the discussion I had earlier of like now, you know, if it works on your if it works on your machine, there's a very, very strong chance it's going to work in production. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've all been bitten with like, there's an extra config file in some environment and yep. that's what's causing like that. Those days are over, which are, is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, the, the, or a deployment or, you know, one of the QA config files got deployed to production and now production's right. down. Um, the, um, that, that sort of stuff kind of goes away. It streamlines your development quite a bit, you know, and so you, you don't have developers tracking down production issues. They're able to, you know, keep moving forward on new functionality and so forth. So it's, it's all, it's all good. So I, I think you and I would agree. It's probably one of, you know, this official support for containers is one of many. Uh, and I think there's, there's future podcast episodes in the, um, in the, in, in the works on what kind of, kind of the many advancements that we see with Sycor 10. Um, Sycor 10 with Sycor doing official support for containers like this, containers that they support, maintain, that they, they build and maintain as opposed to these community ones um, is pretty big. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I fully agree. This is, um, to me, it's kind of a, a big shift um, for kind of Sycor to get behind this uh, kind of cloud native race that's going kind of going on with software. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely an improvement over, I don't know if it's an improvement, but it gives organizations a lot more functionality um, over kind of the old Azure app services model um, where, you know, you were running your, your, your Sitecore instance there. And then, you know, potentially you now you're having to find some sort of, you're either having to stand up a solar server in your Azure instance or go to something like, like uh search stack or, or any of the other solar providers out there. And then, you know, use, Redis as a service, um, for kind of session management and so forth. Um, now it gives you a lot more flexibility. Yep. 
Totally agree. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, George. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming back on the podcast. If people don't know where to find you, where they, where can they find you online? Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Twitter, uh, at George Chang, G E O R G E C H A N G. Um, you can find me on Psychor Slack at the same, um, there is a Docker channel on Psychor Slack if you're not already aware. And there's uh, always a lot of activity of people kind of talking about Docker and, you know, resolving whatever problems. That they yeah, might it is definitely the new hotness. And I would say that that channel is quite active and, and quite yes. welcoming you know, to, to folks that, you know, are, are new to it and trying to kick the tires on it. If you're, you know, there's a, there's a good chance if you're running into an issue, um, somebody else may have run into it. And I, you know, I'll say everybody else that's hanging out in that channel seems to be super, super helpful. Like, like most of the Psychor Slack, I think it's a great community, which, you know, we've talked about over and over on this podcast, but you know, it's, it's a very welcoming community. Um, don't, don't feel like, you know, don't feel that you're dumb because you ran into an issue because there's a very strong chance that there's at least a dozen other folks that have run into the same issue that you're, that you're having. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure I'm one of the, the dozen. So awesome. Awesome. Um, well, George, thanks. Uh, thanks again for being on and, uh, yeah, folks, absolutely. thanks for, uh, thanks for listening and, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Core Sampler. To see show notes from this and past episodes, please visit coresampler.fm. There you can also subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you liked what you heard today, please tell a friend and then go to iTunes to rate and comment on our show. Even if you're using a different app to listen to us, those ratings and reviews really do help others find us. Are you a professional working with Sitecore and interested in joining the show? Or would you like to leave some feedback directly? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at coresampler.fm. That is all for this episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time.